Good morning. So as Nick said, I'm reading from uh, Exodus chapter 3 and reading verses 1 to 15. And it's entitled in the NIV version, Moses and the Burning Bush. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over, go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up and out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are, are oppressing them. So now, go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you to say to the Israelites, I am has sent you to me. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. Amen. It's all about God's name. And of course, we're... Uh... We're studying the Lord's Prayer. So maybe I'll just read that. Maybe we could pray it together. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread as we forgive us and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Our Father in heaven, we are asking you to reveal to our hearts, uh, even now, something of your name, something of your great character. We do ask you, Lord, in some trepidation that you would give us something of that moment that Moses had before you at the burning bush. 
where he met you in your awesome, uncreated, invisible self and yet there before him in, in flames of fire. Please, Lord, make yourself apparent to the eyes of our heart this morning, we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I wonder how, you have, how you've got on with calling God your father. Change anything for anybody? Makes it different. It's coming to God in a different kind of relationship. Yeah, thank you. I, I, thanks, Sue. I appreciate that. Because it's changed for me. I think I've I come to God and I'm making a practice of saying, um, our father. Uh, or actually coming to God sometimes because I think we can personalize it. As long as we don't forget the corporate dimension, we can say, my father in heaven. And when you start your prayers, I would encourage you to try that. If you haven't already, just say, my father in heaven. It changes things. Uh, I do believe that. I don't think you can say my father in heaven at the beginning of every prayer and not be changed and not be comforted um, and not be reassured by the fatherhood of God. And of course today we're moving on, we're going to say um, hallowed be your name. And hallowed is not, an, not a word we use a lot. Um, and hallowed just really means to regard as holy. To hallow something is to regard it as holy, is to honour it as holy. Um, so we talk about um, hallowed ground. Um, either literally, uh, sometimes we say that uh, a burial ground, it's kind of sanctified ground or it's hallowed ground. It's been holiness in that sense of something being set aside for something. Um, or metaphorically as a place, uh, this is hallowed ground. Um, some people talk about, you know, the hallowed turf of their favourite favorite football team and they're kind of like... Um, do their best to nick a bit of it if they ever get the opportunity. Um, or, or hallowed ground where something heroic or selfless happened. Um, so I gave you a little cheeky um, video clip on, on Zoom. Did you pick that up? Who, anybody pick that up? Yeah, yeah one or two. Um, it's the death of Baloo. Um, in uh, Baloo the bear, well, the, uh, death, I say, because he hasn't actually died. Uh, and Bagheera uh, starts this kind of eulogy um, for Baloo the bear and he says no one has greater love than this that he lays down his life for his friends you recognise where that comes from and then he says uh, uh, it, in, in the jungle this, uh, this, this will be remembered as a hallowed place because Baloo's just given his life apparently um, to save Mowgli he says this will be remembered um, as, as a hallowed place so hallowed we don't use it um, but it means kind of set aside, it means holy, it means honoured. And when we talk about God's name, I think we're just really talking about him. Just talking about his character and his reputation. So we're saying hallowed be God's name, may God uh, be honoured. And may his reputation be um, held high. And the first thing I know, we'll come back to this a bit later on, is that it's not part of the address. It's not part of the address. It's not our Father in heaven whose name is holy. It, it's not part of the introduction. It's the first petition um, in, in, the, in the prayer. Our Father in heaven, that's the address, and this is the first petition. May your name be honoured is probably the way we'd say it. Um, you know, in modern English, but it just doesn't seem to have the verbal punch, does it, um, of, of hallowed be your name. So 
I want us to look a little bit about God's name and go back to go back to um, Exodus uh, for a moment or two, because this is the uh, this is the point where the people of Israel in, encounter God's name. And what we discover is that God is completely different from us. So Moses has this moment where he meets God at the burning bush and he learns God's name. And what is God's name? God's name is simply this, I am who I am. What a, uh, what a mysterious kind of name that is. God says, I am. It's my name. And it's been translated over the years, Yahweh or Jehovah. Or in our Bibles, it, we, we say the Lord um, it, in little capital letters. And that's partly because of the, uh, of the, the Jewish reticence to say the name of God. It was so holy um, that, we didn't, uh, that they didn't say it. But it means that we've settled in, in, uh, for a title, the Lord, rather than a name. And I think we lose along the way this sense that we're coming to somebody who has a name, and his name is Yahweh. His name is I am who I am. We forget then that, uh, that God is different from us. God is self-existent. It's, he's uncreated. It's, just, it's so difficult to get our minds around that these kind of thoughts, they just fly past, and we find it difficult to get a grip. He's, he's self-existent. He just is. He just is the I am, and he's eternal. In that sense, he doesn't have a beginning. He doesn't have an end. We can't understand that because we are finite. God is like a fire that burns without consuming any fuel. And Moses also discovers, doesn't he, that God is, is invisible, although he's appeared uh, as fire, and quite often the Lord appears as fire or in fire. Um, the angel of the Lord appears in fire. Nevertheless, God is, God is invisible. And one writer says this, he says, because he's invisible, if we're not constantly paying him attention, we will lose sight of him altogether. And I think that's true, and I think that's why we have to pray words, these words of the Lord's Prayer, which are personal words. Our Father, my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Uh, and this is Gerald Bray, this guy's called, said, this is why we pray. Hallowed be your name, because otherwise, if you don't keep him in sight, the invisible God will lose sight of him altogether. So God, on one level, is completely different from us. What he is, um, in his name, he is uncreated, um, self-existent, eternal, and that makes him, in one sense, distance from us. But who he is, our Father in heaven, brings him closer. That's the glory of our God. He is hallowed. He is the one... Uh, whose name is great. He's the one who is, I am who I am. He's the one who is in heaven. And yet he says, call me father. Call me father in the same way Jesus did. So I want us to just think some practical things. I want us to think about how can we change then um, our instinct about how, we change, uh, about how we treat God's name. And then three little practical things about what do we do in practice? Uh, to hallow and to honour God's name. And uh, in the Bible study, uh, you'll see, I, I put a little bit about the Westminster Shorter Catechism. Um, a catechism was a way of, of treating, of um, training new believers. 
um, tra uh, training uh, children or, or young Christians. Um, so you can find this at Westminster Shorter Catechism. You can search it up as a PDF online. But very famously, the, the first question and answer is, what is the chief end of man? So forgive the, uh, uh, forgive the non-inclusive language. This was 1646. What is the chief end of man? Man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Your chief end, that, that's your, your real purpose in life. Um, what you are made for. If you ever ask that question, what's my purpose in life? And what am I here for? Your chief end is to glorify God. It's to glorify God and enjoy him forever. You notice those two things go together. It doesn't say your chief end is to glorify God and be thoroughly miserable in the process. Um, your chief end is to glorify God, and that is the path of joy. And ultimately then to enjoy him forever. Um, not just in this life, but uh, in a future life. I'm not sure that comes naturally to you, does it? Does that not feel a little, at least a little bit uncomfortable? My chief end is to glorify God. My purpose in life is to, is to glorify God. It feels, I don't know, I think it just grates against our selfish hearts, doesn't it? Um, a little bit. That is that right? God's created me to, to, to glorify him. Why should he do that? What right does he have to do that? Don't, does that not come up in your heart too? Just mine. So how do we change our hearts? How do we change our instincts? Well, I want to give you um, two suggestions. And you see, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be your name. It's funny, it's, it's difficult to not revert to thy, isn't it? Hallowed be your name. It's, it's not a prayer for a change in God, is it? It's a prayer for a change in me. And it's a prayer for a change in, in them. Um, hallowed be your name. But how do we then uh, change it in our hearts? Well, I, I went on a course about uh, family mentoring. Leslie and I went some years ago. Uh, and the... Um, the trainer said, this was actually in a family context, change the interaction, change the relationship. Um, I think that's quite profound. Uh, you ought to remember that. Uh, it, it applies in all kinds of relationships. If you can change the interactions, um, you change the relationship. And of course, we're not trying to change God in this. As we say, we're trying to, we're trying to change ourselves. So the first thing to do is, is to say it. It's just to simply say, as we've already heard, just pray, my Father in heaven changes, uh, change the interaction and you change, you change the relationship. If you change the interaction, when you come to God, you say, first thing I'm praying today, God, is that you, that, that you are glorified in my life. And if you pray it repeatedly, change the interaction, um, you will change the relationship. And the second thing, I think, the way we change our hearts, um, 2 Corinthians says this, we who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, this is Paul comparing Christians with Moses, we who with unveiled faces um, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. In other words, each time we look at Christ uh, and spend time looking at Christ, something changes inside as the Spirit um, it is, is at work. And when we looked at this before, we said, you are what you look at. You are what you look at. Um, if most of your time is, is, is spent in front of the, uh, the TV, um, you'll become uh, 
a friends type person, or if your time is in the Daily Mail, you become a, a Daily Mail type person. Um, if your time is spent looking at Christ and looking at the Lord, you will become a godly person. So two very simple things. One is to change the interaction in prayer, and the other, obviously, is to keep looking at the Lord uh, in Scripture. And then three, three practical things I think you could change very briefly. Um, and the first is, I've called it interjection, and, and I have to confess that's because I wanted a series of points beginning with I. Okay. Um, and the point I really wanted to make is that hallowed be your name, uh, I think should, is in itself an expression of praise. See what I mean? It, it is a cry that we're changed. Lord, change me, change them. But also it's, it's a cry, Lord, your name is great. And simply, I think you should make verbal prayer part of your own prayer, uh, your own prayer life if you don't already. I hope you sing at home. I hope you listen to songs at home that you... Praise the Lord, but make verbal prayer. If at no point in your life do you stop and say to the Lord, he is your great Lord, uh, something's missing. So we talk about the ACTS, the Acts prayers, and the first prayer of that is adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. You know that one? Adoration. If you're not telling the Lord he is great, um, something is missing out of your prayer life. So interjection is not quite the right word, because strictly speaking, an interjection is a one word or a short phrase emotional outburst. I had to look this up in the dictionary online. So like, wow, or uh, hooray. Um, is, is, is an interjection. But maybe actually there's something in that. Maybe we can subtly challenge the interjections of the world around us where they say, oh my God. Or they say, or they say Jesus Christ. And maybe we can change that. Maybe we can change that with our interjections. And if something's good, we can say, praise the Lord. Or if you don't like that, you can have the Hebrew version. Praise the Lord. Say hallelujah. Say hallelujah. Maybe you change your interjections. It's a thought. More importantly, I think we can't say hallowed be your name without a determination that our lives, our own lives, bring glory to God's name. That's really what the prayer is. It's half of what the prayer is. Hallowed be your name is may your name be glorified in my life. And another writer says it's a comparative statement. It sets God against uh, and above all other things. When we're saying, hallowed be your name, we're, we're saying, is, will your name be more important in my life than all those other things that might take first place of my attention? So I think there's an important question about how do you, how do you test your heart? How do you test your heart whether you're really bothered about the Lord's glory? And I've got a, a few suggestions. I think you test your heart as to whether you're bothered about the Lord's glory by your attitude to the things of God, the things that God loves. So your attitude to church. You can't say, hallowed be your name, and then diss the people of God. In, in what you say or what you think or how you relate to them. Either actively um, by abusing them or passively by treating them lightly or disinterestedly or... Um, not taking seriously meeting to encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. By your attitude to, to prayer. You can't say hallowed be your name and then not spend time hallowing God's name in your prayer life. The Bible, you can't say hallowed be your name and then not want to look him in the face, as we said. 
um, or, or spend time with them. Or giving, you can't say hallowed be your name and, and then prize him more than, uh, prize financial security more than the Lord. And sharing your faith, you can't say hallowed be your name and not be prepared to be part of the answer to that prayer. So to say hallowed be your name is to be intentional about growing in the Lord. Yeah, it's a prayer for change, really. It's a prayer for change. In the first half of that prayer, it's a prayer for change in you. So pray like David. Search me, O God, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Search me, God. Show me where I'm going wrong. Point me in the right direction. Confess. David says, Psalm 38, I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. And if you want to know, 1 John 1, 9, of course, uh, you should know by heart, so important. Uh, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins, purify us from all unrighteousness. I think if there's no practiced confession in your life, there is no intentional growth. Come back to that later on in the Lord's Prayer, but I'll say that again. If there's no practice of confession in your life before God, then there is no intent to grow. And then keep in step with the Spirit. Act. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Since we live by the Spirit, Paul says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So those are the simple way to grow. Pray, confess, Keep in step with the Spirit. The Spirit's authored a book for you. Here is the steps he wants you to take. Um, read it. Um, he will lay certain things on your heart. And you do them in his strength. That's what growth is about. But to be say, hallowed be your name, is to be intentional about growth. The other half of hallowed be your name is we want to see the earth uh, uh, and everybody in it, the world, um, hallowing God's name. So actually, Colin pointed this out to me. All those first petitions uh, end with, on earth as it is in heaven. So our prayer is actually, um, hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. So you might want to turn uh, Revelation 4 with me. I'm going to read you a couple of bits. You don't have to, but um, Revelation 4 is a, is a great picture of heaven, isn't it? It's, it's the throne room of God as it is now. And um, in verse 8, it says there are four living creatures. Each has six wings, and they're covered with eyes all round, even under its wings. And they're representatives of, of creation, I think. Um, and day and night, they never stop saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. So in heaven, there is, uh, there is only total hallowing. Hallowing of God's name never stops. Day and night, there is a calling out to God, holy, holy, holy is your name. And our prayer is, Lord, may the same thing, may it happen like that on earth. May it happen like that on earth. 
There's no blasphemy in heaven. There's nobody dishonoring God's name in heaven. Because uh, verse nine, whenever the living creatures give glory, honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, and they're representing the church, fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honour and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and, and have your being. So in heaven, the representatives of creation and, and the church, um, they're bowing down uh, 24 hours a day um, and they are honouring God's name. So that is the background against which you pray, hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. So this is what you're praying for. You're praying for people to see God clearly. You're praying for people to obey him completely. In other words, we're very simply praying that they will be saved, that they will come to know the Lord, and that they will be free from the, uh, the blindness of, uh, of Satan. Free from the blindness, uh, the, the, the scales that Satan puts over their eyes. And, and free from the bondage uh, to sin in which they were born. In other words, I guess we're praying for revival, aren't we? We're praying for revival even as we're working with, with ones and twos. And, and praying uh, for husbands and wives and friends and, and people uh, around us. If you are not concerned about the way God's name is, is dishonored in the world around you, you cannot pray, hallowed be God's name. If you want to pray the Lord's Prayer, you want to pray, hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven, then you've got to get involved uh, in prayer for revival and a prayer for the people around you and prayer um, for evangelism. Otherwise, this, this prayer is not for you. It's not for you. So, sum up. So to pray, hallowed be your name, is not part of the, 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 the address. It's not, it's not a... It's not a quick curtsy. It's not a verbal flourish. It's not, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's not uh, a little verbal flourish as you come into his presence. It's the first cry uh, of the Christian heart to, to their heavenly Father from the gut, from a gut instinct. Lord, the, Lord your glory is, is, is the first thing that matters in all things. And it is the first thing that, that matters in my life. It's a cry. It's a cry of praise then to the Holy One. So it's instinct, it's an interjection, it's a hallelujah, it's a cry of praise. God, you are the one who is glorious. It's an ongoing commitment um, for personal growth. It's an intention. And it's a persistent call for the for the lost to be saved. It's an intercession. Who dares pray? Who dares pray? Before the Holy One, hallowed be 
Jo, nein.